Every one of us have role models, and I don't know who your role model is, but on the count of three, would you be bold enough to say who are that, who's that role model growing up? And it may be a celebrity, it may be somebody that's your relative, but on the count of three, I want to hear when you were growing up, or even for some of your children right now, who was your role model? One, two, three. Okay, okay, all right, we got dads, we got mothers, we had some famous names. For me, at, when I was eighth grade, I started to enjoy music. And in Papaiko, growing up in Papaiko, you don't got much to do. You can go to Papaiko Mill, you can go to Kanaka Pond, you know, all this stuff, but there's not much to do. But one thing, there was a group of uh, Hawaiian boys right there on Mama La Jolla Highway that would always hang out right by the Papaiko gym. And they would have Kanakapila time, you guys know what I'm saying, right? And they would jam, they would have ukuleles, guitars, and all that. And I was more of an athlete growing up, so I didn't really come into my music portion to around eighth grade, and then I learned, my friend taught me to play the famous ukulele song that if you ever played ukulele, you know what song that is. Anybody know? Surf. Can I get a witness, right? Surf, right? So, so I learned the chord. And you got that real generic strum, yeah? And you have to move your head and your whole body with, yeah? And then when I found out who wouldn't play that song, I, I found out it was people that were uh, from a hometown that I grew up in in Palolo Valley called the Ka'au Crater Boys. How many remember Ka'au Crater Boys, right? And then the ukulele player was Troy Fernandez. And I wanted to be just like Troy Fernandez because he made my dog has fleas sound like rock and roll, if you guys know the Ka'au Crater Boys, right? When I first heard Opihi Man in the Sun, I was like, I have to learn that song. I want to be, huh, Uncle Alika, you know what I'm talking about, ukulele player back there. I want to be just like Ka'au, creator boys, right? So he goes, sounds like thunder. Come on. Gotta hit to the high ground. Come on. Why water coming? No fooling around. Let me, here we go. Oh, man in the sun. Oh, man grab your bag and run. Oh, man another swell is coming your way. Right? When I heard that, I was like, I have to learn that. Now, my motives was wrong because I wanted to get all the wahines and all that, right? But it wasn't going to happen. If you knew me at eight grades, I really didn't have good speech. You know, the, yeah, yeah, whatever. I wasn't known for my speech back in the day. All right? And now, and then you had the other song, right? You said... Mountains roll down to the sea. Come on, Hines. I wish that you were here with me. Wind, wind surfing along the shore. Let me hear you. It's not the same without you no more. Whoa, oh, nay, 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 like I miss you. Say it out, Hawaiians. Do you miss the thing we used to do? All you lovebirds all ashore on lover's lane. Do you still feel the same? Are you missing me? Like I miss you. And you know you gotta do the chore for that smile. <laughs> right. We all look up to something, every one of us. And what's happening right now is we are in our verse-by-verse -verse study to the book of Titus. And in Titus, we are going to look at what it means to behave as a Christian. 
Some of you have grown up in church like me. And actually, I grew up in a church that really struggled with transparency. Meaning we would be one way on Sunday. And then when church was pauhana, we would be completely the opposite of Christian behavior. And what's happening is we are in the part of the text where Paul is addressing Titus on how every soul should behave in the kingdom of God. I want you to see how God's grace is poured out through us through this theme verse in chapter 3, verses 5 and 6. He says, God saved us, not because of what? Works done by us in our own righteousness. But according to his own mercy, by the washing of regeneration and the renewal of the Holy Spirit, whom God poured out on us richly through Jesus Christ, our Savior. What I want us to see today is I want us to look at the greatest role model of all. Now, he, he's not just a role model because what he has done for us. He is a role model because he is creator. Are you with me? As Christians... Some of us based our relationship on God based on benefactory things. Can I get a witness there, right? What he does for me, what he gives me, and my, my involvement in his kingdom activity is really based on my view on the salvatory portion of God. But in this text, I want us to see that it's more than just getting stuff from God, but it's actually being the nature that he saved us to be, which is holy and righteous. It says that in our text today, that he saved us not because of our own works in righteousness, the opposite of that is his righteousness, but according to his mercy. So today, there should be plenty of people convicted. Today, your heart should be cut. My heart is cut reading this text this week, because these verses are going to say some things that you don't even line up with in your life. I'll promise you that. And there's two things. You can reject it, or you can receive it. There's no in-between. You can reject what God has to say, the creator of the universe, or you can receive it. So I want you to turn to the book of Titus. We just finished chapter 1. We're going to start in chapter 2, the first 10 verses, and we're going to ask God to pour his grace out to us in these 10 verses that reveals Christian behavior. Will you stand with me in the reading of God's word? God's word is faithful. God's word is just. And he says this prophetically, Paul says this to Titus, his child in the faith, just like Timothy. And he says, but as for you, say that big T word with me, teach what accords with sound doctrine. Older men are to be sober-minded, dignified, self-controlled, sound in faith, in love, and in steadfastness. Older women, likewise, are to be reverent in behavior, not slanderers or slaves to much wine. They are to teach what is what? Good. And so train the young women to love their husbands and children, to be self-controlled, pure, working at home, kind, and submissive to their own husbands, that the word of God may not be reviled. Likewise, urge the younger men to be self-controlled. Show yourself in all respects to be a good model of works, and in your teaching show integrity, dignity, and sound speech that cannot be condemned, so that an opponent may be put to shame, having nothing evil to say about us. Bond servants, 
are to be submissive to their own masters in everything. They are to be well-pleasing, not argumentative, not preferring, but showing all good faith so that in everything they may adorn the doctrine of God our Savior. God, help us, God. Whatever people are looking for this morning in an emotional fix or whatever the experience is, we pray that by your Spirit, our expectation is nothing but your glory. Our expectation is to see you in the gospel, in these words, in these 10 verses that gives clear, practical steps of what Christian behavior should look like because of Jesus. Thank you for pouring your grace on us. In Jesus' name we pray. And God's Ohana says, amen. No holy lala, you may be seated. There's a big theme here when it comes to behavior and character. Behavior and character is very important in anybody's life, specifically a Christ's follower's life, and Paul tells Titus in verse 1, right, that the way he will live out this grace that God has poured out to Titus, to all believers, is by one word, and the word is teach. But teach what? Teach sound doctrine. And the word sound doctrine is better defined by what Scott Swain says. He says, what is doctrine? In its basic sense, doctrine is any sort of teaching. It's up on the screen for you. The Bible, for example, talks about the teachings of man in Mark, the teachings of demons in 1 Timothy and Revelation, and the teachings of God in John and 1 Thessalonians and 1 John. Here we are concerned with divine teaching, the teaching of God. According to one definition, doctrine is teaching from God about God that directs us to the glory of God. Can I get a witness there, right? This definition provides a helpful autonomy of sound doctrine, identifying doctrine source, object, and ultimately the end. This is what it means. Doctrine is faithfully teaching who God is, all right, and who God is through us. That is doctrine. So we're teaching a subject. We're teaching a topic specifically on Christian character and Christian behavior. And by God's grace, we are about to cover a simple doctrine that we probably try to do in our homes and here at the church, and it's the doctrine of discipleship. Say that with me. One, two, three. The doctrine of discipleship. The word discipleship means to follow a way or to follow a teaching. A greater scripture that is popular that you may know is John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, that whosoever believed in him shall not perish, but what? Have everlasting life. This is a way of teaching. What is this way of teaching? Now, for us, it's the only way. But for people who don't believe in Christ and don't believe in Jesus as the Lord and Savior, this is a way. For us, we are simply saying this is the only way. How are we going to behave? How are we going to live out godly character? Teach teach. And if you're like any one of us, even my wife and I included, we're not perfect at this. We don't have it all together. I'm telling you we don't have it all together. This morning, my children has a regular rhythm and routine. They know not to put on their clothes before they eat breakfast and brush their teeth. All right, we're underwear boys in our house, all right? And so they rock it all day, all week long in the homestead. And what happened was Kainalu Elijah Tomaselli had the audacity, you know, had the audacity to go on his own rhythm today, right? 
The only thing that was on this young boy's mind was Auntie's donuts. Now, she, he didn't say Auntie Donis. He didn't say Auntie Gilly. He didn't say Auntie Donna. He just said, I want donuts, right? And so he skipped the whole rhythm that we do on Sunday where you eat your cereal or whatever breakfast. Because they're old enough now, we make them, they make their own breakfast. And then you put on your clothes, right? No, that was not happening today. He was going to go out of order and get changed and all this. Well, if mama ain't happy in the house... No one ain't happy, right? And so mama worked hard. I mean, she washed loads and loads of clothes yesterday. After kind of cold, the child wore six different outfits in the pool yesterday. <laughs> I'm telling you, we're not perfect, bro, all right? And if you come from a Hawaiian background, all right, like the way you grew up and all that, the automatic way of disciplining your child in a Hawaiian household is you scream your head off, Right? What you doing? Oh, you know, and honestly, ah, ah, mm, ah. It's almost provoking, yeah? We think it works all the time, but we keep doing it. Nothing's working, right? The reality is we must teach properly. That's the point. We must teach properly. Remember, we heard this about a month ago. We heard that everything is taught before it is experienced. I want you to, this, is, this happens literally in the way we educate our kids today in the school system. This happens. Everything is taught, whether it's in a lifestyle presentation or through books and all that. Everything is taught before it is experienced. And one of the greatest moments for you to teach your children or teach anybody is when they immediately screw up, use that time to pour grace upon it. Because it it's in those situations where... There's only one opportunity for you to share the gospel. And if it's that opportunity is all you have to make diligency of Jesus Christ, the person of Jesus Christ, it is best for you to use any hakaka, any fight, as a platform for grace. As a platform for grace. Now, do we have, do, are we perfect in it? No, we're not perfect in it. But Paul tells Titus, strive to teach. Teach what? Teach sound doctrine. Tony Evans says it this way. The goal of every follower of Jesus is to move in the direction of spiritual maturity and likeness to Jesus. That's discipleship. We're not trying to make people, we're not trying to make more Kahu Zeeks, more Kahu Marcuses. We're trying their lives to explode Jesus. Like when people see them, they see Christ. Even if they don't know that is Christ, there will be a conversation so that they can experience what is taught to the life of true believers. Why is sound doctrine important? Sound doctrine is important because what we believe affects what we do. Can I get a witness out there, right? Behavior is an extension of theology, and there is a direct correlation between what we think and how we act when it comes to sound doctrine. So here's four teaching platforms I want us to look at, and, I'll, and then we're going to respond to these platforms. Number one, teach the older men to be sober-minded. When Paul writes, he does so in a systematic, orderly way. He begins not with women, but he begins with men. Why? Because this is how God deals with creation. When God created the world, he began with the man. Therefore, systematically, this order, Paul continues on with the same doctrinal teaching that God lays out through creation. Breathe in man. 
Give life to man. How do we give life to the older man specifically? Well, it says it. Be sober-minded. Look at the Greek word. The Greek word to be sober-minded is to be literally clear from intoxication. Like nothing controls your mind. Not just alcohol, as a lot of old school preachers would say, but it is talking about anything specific. Food. What? That can intoxicate you? I, I promise you, for a diabetic person like me, if I ate a good news chocolate bar that we gave you Hawaiians last week, that bugger would make me go cuckoo, all right? Like anything that intoxicates your mind, alcohol, food, emotions. Did you know emotions could intoxicate your mind? It is saying be sober-minded from anything that takes captive or control of your mind. Teach this to the older men. Why? Because the older men are the example of creation. God uses older men to show his glory and grace through their behavior. What does, what does that mean? Man, reality truth. God has called all men to be sober-minded in order to reflect the person of Jesus Christ in the church. And this is the challenge for us today as men in general. When we're not spending time with God, we look the opposite of his character. So we, 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 we become husbands that way, the opposite of God's character. Become sons, the opposite of God's character or Jesus' character. Because there is no foundation in our lives when it comes to sound doctrine. This is supported by the first few verses of chapter 1. Every sound doctrine should point us to Jesus. As much as I am a Reformed preacher in here, some of you don't even know what that means, as much as I line up with Calvinistic theology, that should not be my primary source for you. My primary source for you should be straight that God's grace is poured out to sinners like you and I. That's the truth of it. This is supported all through the scriptures. There, there were an issue in the church of Crete today, are the churches. The men, the older men specifically, specifically, we're not modeling this sober-mindedness. And in order for us to see Christ lifted up, we cannot just come to church and act like Christians, but we have to use the preaching of the Word, the proclamation of the Word, to be manifested in us and allow us to let Jesus do what only He can do, and that is to shine through us. Behavior and character lines up with sound doctrine. When there is no sound doctrine, there is no behavior and character that looks like Christ. As simple as it is. 2 Timothy says it this way. As for you, always be sober-minded. What is that? There's kuleana there. God is giving you responsibility. You know, always be sober-minded. Endure suffering. Do the work of an evangelist. Fulfill your ministry. This is what I'm going to tell you right now. There have been men, there's two kind of people you have to beware of in the Christian church today. The wannabe preachers and those that won't submit to the Lord. Let me say that again because only one of you got that this morning, right? There's two, there, there's two kind of people in the church, all right, that, that you have to beware of. Wannabe preachers and those who don't submit to the Lord. And I'm going to tell you, those who don't submit to the Lord won't submit to nobody else. And submission is not a women issue. Submission is a human issue. God has given us authority, and we're going to see more what that looks like. But he's given us authority for the glory of his name. That's how he expresses grace to us. Platform number two, teach the older women to be reverent. Again, in continuation with creation, now he addresses the woman, just like how he addresses Eve. 
there is a great systematic order and structure in why we do what we do. I know you guys come to church, you guys pretty much can say what we're going to do in church, right? We're going to have a countdown, we're going to have Let's Talk Story, we're going to have a couple songs, we're going to have our generosity time, one more song. You guys can pretty much figure out most of the things, right? That is a godly posture. Like structure is very important. But we believe here that you can, even, you can be structured and you can be spontaneous. But ultimately, we're going to be structured in sound doctrine. We see this, that here are ways that women, older women, are to honor the Lord. Number one, they are to love their families. Love their family in correction. Love their family in, in every aspect that has to happen in a family. Number two, they have to have self-control. For us, this is like a social media issue of what women is exploiting, exploding their bodies, exploding their, their, uh, their liberal thoughts and all this stuff, evil thoughts. And this is for men too, but we're addressing the older women. Be pure, number three. Number four, take care the home. Don't get mad at us, women. It's there in the scriptures. It says to take care the home. Now, men, we're not saying this to look down on women. We're saying this to encourage women. When he said take care of the home, he's not ultimately saying do laundry. Sweep. Hey, saints, have sound doctrine implemented in your children. That's what he's saying. Number five, be kind and submissive to your husband. Why does this matter? Because just like the men, this is how you reflect the person of Jesus. Ultimately, I've been in so much counseling settings in the last 17 years of my ministry. And when it comes to marital issues, it is always because of an effort that is lacking in the marriage. He's not doing this. She's not doing that. And ultimately, the biggest question you have to ask everybody in the circle is how's your time spent with the Lord? How's your time spent with the creator of the universe? Because if us creation tried to supplement the creator with more creative things, it does not really answer stuff. And what we believe at a high priority of your walk with the Lord, you must make intimacy outlast ministry. Because what's going to happen is we're going to judge our lives based on what we do for each other versus what God has already done for us. And so what we have to do, husband and wife, I say this because I love you, we have to articulate that question. How is our time spent with the Lord? Why, why am I not living out these efforts? Because we are looking into our own strength, rather sound doctrine of what it teaches. We have to look to God for the fulfillment of our application. Proverbs 14.1 says it this way. The wisest of women builds her house, but folly with her own hands tears it down. Simple. Don't do it in your own strength. Don't do it in your own strength. And I want to be very clear here. I want to celebrate women today. I want to celebrate in such a way because I feel like our culture has really redefined what women should be, and that's not what the scripture was. But I want to celebrate women in this very way. God has given us women, men, listen to me, God has given us women for number one, to not be alone. We see that in Genesis. But number two, to celebrate God's grace. Women are a picture of God's grace. Like, there is, I can promise you this. There are moments in my life where I'm not experiencing grace. But when I look at my wife, thank you, Jesus. 
Thank you, Jesus. And some of you, you may have failed in these marriages. You may have failed. Let me, let me tell you something. My wife is not the source of my grace. Sound doctrine teaches that God's grace through my wife is the source of my grace. So when I see my wife, it is my desire to see Jesus. Husband, do you see Jesus through your wife? Do you see a woman that's not insecure, but who is secured in the gospel? A woman that just oozes out the sexiness of Jesus, right? Some of you are too serious in this room, so I have to say something. Yeah, thank you for laughing. You're human. Hey, man, hallelujah. Well, like, like oozes out the gospel. And, and what we get to do, we get to teach what accords with sound doctrine. And what is that? Older men, be sober-minded. Older women, be reverent. Why? Because this is how Christ demonstrates it. Listen to me. This is not just a picture of what you need to do. This is a picture of what Christ has already done for you. Therefore, that's why grace lives in you. Jesus is sober-minded. Jesus is reverent. How do we know it? Look at the cross. How do we know he's sober-minded? Look at the 40 days of temptation from the devil in the wilderness, in the Gospels. Jesus is sober-minded. We cannot look to the pastors or, or the leaders or these great Christians. We have to look to Christ. Paul is making clear to Titus, your answer is not what you do or how you behave. Your answer is the one who can behave, who has completed the task of salvation on the cross through his burial, through the resurrection. His name is Christ. Teach sound doctrine that accords with godliness. At the same time, as we affirm the scriptures for both men and women, we affirm that both men and women are distinctive in the church. They have specific roles that honor God and honor one another. I believe like Titus' days, he struggled with women who were the opposite of these qualities and men who were the opposite of these qualities. Therefore, all Titus had was the one who had these qualities, Jesus. And he tells Titus to be faithful to this. Platform number three, teach the younger women to be self-controlled. Paul addresses the younger men in this text as well. He actually emphasizes similar guidelines as the man sees it in here. Teach the younger men to be self-controlled. Because younger men scientifically has a lot of pride issues. We call it test toss. Can I get a witness out there, right? There's a lot of energy built up in man. That's the way God wired them. Because why? Because God made Adam to work. Therefore, that quality still lives in man. So if you are a man sitting on your couch, living off of mama and daddy, and you have all this energy in the world, you're living the opposite of God's design for you. God's given you this energy, right? These, all this test toss for his glory. And what we need to do, Hines, as a man who grew up in the video game ages, and we had football players yesterday playing Madden all day long, all right? Quit the video games. Get off of it. Start working. Start leaning to Jesus for your source of truth. Here's a reality truth this way. When it comes to day-to-day -day life, we tend to be reactionary rather than responsive. What do I mean by that? Oh, growing up in a local mentality, you eye up somebody, or at least the generation I grew up with, you go talk to that brother and you're very reactional. Oh, bro, why are you looking at me like that, bro? Who are you? You know what I'm saying? Very reactional. 
But the problem is, the gospel is the opposite. There's a response. Look at the life and death of Jesus. Jesus came. He spent years on this earth as flesh, right, as a response to do signs and miracles. And we tend to neglect that when our feelings get uh, get hurt in church, and we blame the pastor for everything he preaches, when in all reality, everything we say on this platform hopes encourages you and challenges you as a sign of being responsive. We understand that sin is not to toy with, that sin leads us astray. Sin makes us dead in front of God, but God's grace is a process at the same time. We understand this in Ohana Church, as we declared this on Thursday night, that not everybody was fully devoted to the mission at Ohana Church. Therefore, it was an opportunity for us to continue to share the gospel. Listen to me. I don't just come into on Monday mornings and preach whatever I feel like I, preach, I want to preach. That's why we believe in verse-by-verse book studies, because we have to preach what's next, all right? And so we felt like Titus would be the exact process for us to respond to the sin issue in our community. And I want you to think about this. A first responder's job is to assess and help with the situation. So if we have young men with no self-control, it is hard to live out the gospel, we must assess and we must situate. Let's think about someone getting into a car wreck and the first responders get on the scene. They don't have time to complain with people about how they're doing things or how they got into a car wreck. They have to respond diligently. They have to assess. And from that assessment, they have to decide how they're going to rescue or free the individual from that wreck. Likewise, with older men and older women, we are called to be self-controlled so that they and us all may reflect the person of Jesus. If people looked at you today, and let's say believers in Jesus, those that you lead or those that you co-lead with or those that follow you in general, could they say that your life looked just like these, that we are self-controlled? that we honor the Lord with this, that we are reverent, we are sober-minded. Could they say that? Platform number four, teach the bond servants to be submissive. Scholars believe these were primary slaves in the New Testament, specifically slaves who owed a debt to their master. And so what happens here is, is a very beautiful picture of how we are to submit to those we are under. Here's three reasons. Number one, we are to respect the office of head leader or leaders, which are managers, directors, CEO, and pastor. I know it. I know it. The flesh automatically tells us, if you're working for any kind of organization and you have a CEO or a manager over you, the flesh tells us, man, that guy's getting overpaid. Therefore, you guys all laugh because you guys all know you believe that right now. Therefore, we start to act that way towards, can I get a witness out there, right? That manager and CEO. But here in the text, it tells us to honor how are we to honor our, 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 those who lead above us? We are to respect them. We are to submit to them. Number two, we, we fight the tension of talking bad of those who lead us. As a pastor, ah, this, is new, this is not new to me. As a coach, this is not new to me. People will always act the way their heart is. I want you to hear that. If your heart is black and ugly, then the response to that is black and ugly. Number three. It also commands us to pray for our leaders. How we should pray for them. 
with the gospel. Look at what 1 Timothy 2 says. You'll see we use a lot of 1 Timothy because Timothy and Titus are very similar in the pastoral epistles. First of all, then, I urge that supplication, prayers, intercessions, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and all who are in high positions, that we may lead a peaceful and quiet life, godly and dignified in every way. This is good, and it is pleasing in the sight of God our Savior, who desires all people to be saved and to come to the knowledge of the truth. I agree with this text. And if there's anything we gain out of today's lesson about Christian behavior and character, the one thing that will change your life and my life is prayer. And you can identify who prays, who has a consistent rhythm of prayer. Number one, their prayers, right? If they're not a, a consistent prayer, their prayers are short usually because there's not much talking with the Lord during the week. Number two, their prayers may be selfish, that it's about their personal gain and all that. Or, or three, there simply is just no prayer. I know this. I'm in prayer circles all week, and there will be people that come to prayer, and some of them won't even pray, and not because they're humble, and not because, because they're just not a routine of prayer. And so our Christian behavior, our character, is in direct connection of our prayer life. And I feel if we're going to do anything to make a dent in this community... We have to be people of prayer. In the Old Testament, God defined his house to the prophets and to the nation of Israel. And I want you to hear what he did not say. He did not say that his house would be a house of preaching. He did not say that his house would be a house of missionaries sent out. He did not say that his house would be a house of people wailing and getting excited about music and all that's going on. Those are all important things. But the one thing that God said that was consistent in the Old Testament and in the New Testament, Jesus did with, with hitting people with whips out of the, the sanctuary. He said, my house shall be a house of what?